You are listening to New Life the Fort. We pray that this season you take possession of every good gift God has prepared for you. Last week we were winding down and uh, we believed it, but there's always one more. So I think this time around we're going to delve into Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23 one more time and see what we can squeeze out of it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, yes, fruit of the Spirit, one more time, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Again, such there is no law. Father, as always, our hearts are before you. You know what's going on in our lives Even sometimes we don't know what's going on, but you do. Whatever we need today, whatever we need so that we can get a greater revelation of Jesus Christ, let it be so. And everything else you will set in order, whether it's financially, whether it's healing in our bodies, whether it's peace of mind, whatever it is, you will perfect that which concerns us. We decide to sit at your feet today. And do that one thing that is needful. Father, you're in charge. Holy Spirit, reign in this place. And we thank you, Lord, because we will receive much today. And we will see demonstrations of power. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We go through the different, of course, we talked about fruit and how important that is. And uh, you know, fruit of the Spirit, and we went one by one. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And uh, one person was telling me, usually when the, when the list is done, the preaching is over, they move on to another topic. But I'm looking at it, but there's one line here that I think is there, not by accident. It's there because it completes the whole thought. And the last line that says there, the last phrase that you see is, Against such there is no law. And that's something I want us to get into this afternoon and see what, what, what God would reveal to us. And I pray, I know that uh, ga- gathering this big, you have different issues, different concerns in your life. But I'm a firm believer of in your light, I find light. I may be some, speaking something else here, but the Holy Spirit himself will reveal something that will pertain to your particular concern. So be aware. Listen to what I'm saying, but more importantly, listen to what he has to say. Right there in your seats. Against such there is no law. We can put it simply like this. That as far, at least as far as I'm concerned, and certainly I don't know everything. My wife will tell you that. Uh, (laughs) um, There is no law in any country or any organization or group of people against love. Against being kind or being giving or being good. Or being faithful. These are certain, these, these, these are things that actually help grow a relationship or any company. If somebody is well disciplined, self controlled, and gentle, meek, not meek that is weak, but meek that is strong, these are qualities that we look for in a, uh, for people that are good laborers. In fact, I was challenging a group of people, I think it was a young adults, that what if you include in your resume all the fruit of the Spirit? That would be interesting. And they would go, what is this? That's who I am. 
If you're going to get a good worker, that's me. Maybe somebody will actually do that. Whatever happens, either give me the credit or don't, just don't blame me. But what is this? What does it mean? Again, such there is no law. And of course, we can't talk about it without talking about the law. And certainly, we know by the very nature of laws, laws are there to show you and to tell you do's and don'ts. In fact, prior to this verse, 22 and 23, it talks about what the law is against. Certain things that we will see. Let's go to verse 19. Verse 19 here would say, Fine, you don't want to show me there? Dito na lang. There. Verse 19, it says, It is clear that our flesh entices us into practicing some of the most, some of its most heinous acts. The flesh entices us or tempts us. As we have described last week, the flesh is that part, the unrenewed soul, the combination of the unrenewed soul and the undisciplined body. In other words, the body has become the master of the person, not the other way around. And yes, sagutimian, bakasi Lord Yan. The scripture in Romans chapter 12 also would encourage us to renew our mind. Because you may have received the Lord, but there are certain ways of thinking that, is, that needs to be adjusted. A paradigm shift, a new way of looking at things because you are in a different position. Old things are gone, new things have come. So it's important that we get renewed. But the list here, it says here, as we continue reading, participating in corrupt sexual relationships, impurity, unbridled lust, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, arguing, jealousy, anger, selfishness, contentiousness, division. Let me just pause there for a bit. Who among you have maybe in your life before being a Christian or even maybe last week that you got angry, that you got you got into an argument and all somewhat we see ourselves here that's the truth it may not be the 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 worst things but it's still part of the thing here in fact the bible says if you've done if you um missed one of the commandments it's as if you've missed them all let's continue reading and be encouraged <laughs> envy of others good fortune drunkenness drunken revelry and other shameful vices that plague humankind. Next verse. I tell you, I told you this clearly before. And I only tell you again, so there is no room for confusion. So Paul is emphasizing something. And then he goes on to say, those who give in to these ways will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we gasp. What? We will not inherit the kingdom of God? What does that mean? It's a good question. Let's first, before we get into that, let's first clarify that the law is placed to set some sort of a boundary. The laws are like boundaries. Like you put a boundary in your, in your home. There's a fence to let people know 
at this point, this is my home. This is still outside. You are in, you are out. That's a, uh, that's a boundary. This is what's allowed and this is not what's allowed. You are safe within this. You are protected within this. But outside, then you become a lawbreaker. In fact, what you, what you call somebody who's a lawbreaker is an outlaw. You are outside the law, simply put. And as list of do's and don'ts go, they always have uh, attached to it consequences if you fail. Punishments, if you will. In the Old Testament, specifically, if, you, if you've done something that will not please the Lord, you get stoned. And I don't mean stoned like drugged stoned. I mean people will stone you to death. And there are times that the nation of Israel uh, gets judged. They lose their uh, sovereignty. They lose their nation. There are several times that an enemy conquered them and they became slaves. These are just consequences or punishments because they missed the law or they disobeyed. And these are designed really, when you see the list and you see the consequences, they're designed to deter people, to um, in a sense, put fear on people that you shouldn't do this, otherwise this will happen. In some nations, they have very strong uh, ways to deter people from uh, disobeying the law or breaking the law. Like, for example, if you steal something, they'll cut off your hand. Or, to uh, more extreme cases, if you've done something wrong, if you killed somebody, they will cut off your head. And believe me, there are no repeat, repeat offenders. If somebody's head is gone, they cannot do the crime again. It's to stop that person. And also for those who are witnessing, I don't want to do that because I don't want that to happen to me. So, in a sense, the law, external, written outside. And we know the Ten Commandments were written on stone. It's a list. And, uh, but it's not, as far as I know, I've never had, I've never uh, come across any company. Companies, they have their list, rules, guidelines, right? Who among you here work? Some of you are so grace-filled, you don't want the word work. But anyway, so if you go to work, you know, welcome and whatever, and then they tell you these are some, you read this and familiarize yourself with this so that, you know, you know our guidelines. In fact, even as, as early as uh, people who go to school, like uh, my son Rafa, five years old, uh, started school this August because the schedule for that school is adjusted already to the new one. And uh, one of the first things I asked him when he got home is that, uh, so how was school? Did you enjoy? What did you do? I said, yeah, you know, I, I was playing and, you know, we played. I was wondering if he was the only one playing and or everybody else was playing. But regardless, and, and I said, uh, tell me more. He said, well, the teacher brought me around the different areas in the school. He showed us this is this canteen and this is the gym and whatever. And then he, uh, the teacher told us the things that we can do and the things we can't do. That's a list. Those are boundaries. But it's not enough, even in any company, it's not enough just to put the, the law there and people will automatically just obey. Like, for example, you have 
in the street, you see three different colors of light. Red, yellow, green. And sometimes, when you think no one's looking, right, left, nobody's there, you go. But then somewhere hidden behind the leaves of the trees, behind the post, hiding, right after you do the deed, aha, what do you see? An enforcer. Because it's not enough just to have the list. You need somebody to enforce it. Because there's something off with human nature. You need somebody to make sure that you stay in line. Ibo was making an example a while ago. He made a mistake of going to a, going to a one-way street. There was one time I remember I was in Edsa. Praise the Lord. And uh, that, at that time, if, even if you're coded, you can still color, remember color coding? That has nothing to do with color at all. <laughs> right? Uh, you can still pass EDSA, but there are certain streets you can't pass. I was, I was on my way to, uh, towards here, and uh, it was traffic, so I thought maybe I can go to Guadalupe and pass and go under and just go straight here. And I forgot I was coded. And in Makati, there was, there's no grace at all. They live by the law. Right? So I was going to turn, and I forgot. Uh, before I turned, I remember that I was coded. So I instead broke another law. I swerved. Right in front of a cop. Because I was at the bus lane. I went like that, and I go, oops, and I went like this. And of course, the guy goes, aha. So I was scratching my head like every driver does when they get caught. It's, it's a training. It's part of the training. When you get caught, sir. It's very easy to do. Open my window, and the cop said, pastor. So for a moment, is this a bad thing or a good thing? And I go, I, uh, I go, hi. And of course, I don't know if I actually remember because there's a lot of people. I don't recognize everyone. I just go, hi. And I said, I forgot that I'm coded. And say, okay, wait. So he stopped all the buses. Stop. Grace overflowed. <laughs> go. Go. Let's end. That's the story. We need an enforcer. There's something off. In the world that we live in, in this system of the world, there's one who is called the accuser of the brethren. He's always watching. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. That's the enemy. He's always watching. He's very conscious of the things that you do wrong. Because that's his reality. He was the one. He is wrong personified. He is sin personified in a sense. And he is the accuser of the brethren. But we don't live by his system because we have on our end the, um, the advocate. He is our advocate. He is like our lawyer. He pleads on our behalf. And he reminds whatever principality, no, this guy is paid for. He doesn't have to go through that because it's already been paid for. The sentence has been, uh, has been satisfied. 
this is the advocate. This is the Holy Spirit. In fact, one of the scriptures, if you go to John chapter 16, verse 8 to 11, this is one of the, if you will, job descriptions of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that He does here on earth. The Bible says here, And when He, Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit, mind you. And when He has come, the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of sin. Aha! See that world. Uh, before, people would use that word, convict. It, it simply means that uh, they really mean condemn. They really mean shame. They really mean uh, make you feel guilty. And I used to interpret it that way because that's how they, it was explained. The Holy Spirit will, will make you feel guilty. And many times I felt guilty and I, I was blaming the Holy Spirit. But let's read the whole thing. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. But don't stop there. Continue reading because Jesus praised the Lord or praise Jesus because He is the Lord. He explains what He was trying to say. Let's continue. Of sin because they do not believe me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Of sin because the world who has not given their life to, to the Lord they're still in sin. Of sin because they do not believe me. They do not believe what happened on the cross. So that's why they're in sin. But the moment they realize what that means and they repent, they give their life to the Lord, they move on to the next. It says the Holy Spirit will convict you of righteousness. Right now, anybody here, you're, you are a believer. You've given your life to Jesus. Then you are righteous. And the Holy Spirit job now for those who are in the world, they, He will remind them, you are in sin. You cannot keep doing this. And He will point you to Jesus. But if you are righteous and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, what He will remind you of, will convict you or convince you, is that you are still righteous. It hasn't changed. In fact, the reminder that you are righteous will empower you to say no to the things that you used to go to. Reminding you of how wrong you are, sinful you are, will just keep you in this cycle. But the reminder that you are righteous and the Holy Spirit is your advocate, He will remind you, it's paid for. It is done. And of judgment, because what? Because the ruler of this world is judged. So really, judgment is designed to the accuser. But for those who don't believe Jesus, they will get lumped up with Him because of their pride. So the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you that you are righteous. But what about that line? still bothers. Before, when I used to read that, it, read that, it, it would bother me. Um, those who give in will not inherit the kingdom of God. And for a long time, even, even when I gave my life to Jesus, I knew somehow without really understanding it, it's just a confidence that no matter what, I'll go to heaven. But I would still feel guilty when I would read scriptures about right, the righteous will be blessed, the righteous will be like this. And I didn't feel righteous because maybe I just did something wrong. But praise God that righteousness is not dependent on how you feel or what you just did. It is much greater than that. It doesn't mean that because you know how to bark well that you're a dog. 
It doesn't change your identity. We are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so with this idea, uh, what is it trying to say? Not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, number one, a good question to ask would be, what is the kingdom of God? Or where is the kingdom of God? Many times in Scripture, you will hear Jesus say, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is at hand. Because I used to think, if you asked me before, 10, 12 years ago, or maybe 15 years ago, if you asked me, uh, what is the kingdom of God? Automatically, I'm going to say heaven. So my interpretation is that I'm not going to go to heaven because I'm doing all these things. Can you imagine anger, arguing? Hello? When was the last time you got angry? Uh, Hopefully not to the usher because that's just now. And may it convince you that you are still righteous. I hope the usher said, it's okay, you're still righteous, ma'am. Here's your chair. Right? Not inherit the kingdom of God. But let, let's, I think we have a very limited view. Many Christians have a very limited view of what the kingdom of God is. They think it's just heaven. But Jesus himself confirmed, it's not just, it's in your midst. In fact, he said, it's in your heart. So it's much bigger than just going to heaven. In fact, the prayer that he taught his disciples said, let your kingdom come and your will be on as it is. So the kingdom of God is much bigger. Jesus would say, you know, don't believe if somebody said the kingdom of God is here or it's there. No, it's everywhere. That word inherit is something that we can just look at for this afternoon. What does that word inherit? Will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we look at it, in the Greek, it simply means it's a legal transmission or transfer of, uh, uh, of inheritance or property after death. So we know how inheritance works. If somebody dies, that's when... The, the, there's a distribution of property or wealth or, or whatever it was, uh, was left behind. So that's the, that's the idea of the Greek word. But it's, it comes from two different words that was combined. The first part of the word, kleros, it means it's an allotted or designated portion. It's an allotted or designated portion portion. It's your lot. It's your portion. This is your area. The next part of the word means it's a legal possession or an ongoing possession and practice of dominion and authority. Now think about that for a bit. It is an ongoing possession. You're possessing something. If you inherit something, yes, your name might be there. You might own it, own it, but it doesn't mean that you're possessing it. This is the year of possession. You can go, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, they had, a, God promised them the, the promised land. But they had to go in and possess it. Even if God promised for them to have it, they need to take it and take possession of it. Now, let me say it this way. People who don't inherit, even believers don't inherit because they're not in the rightful place. 
they are not possessing. God has given them a portion for them to practice dominion and authority and, uh, and have an ongoing possession of something. They're not benefiting what the kingdom of God has made available for them because they're still elsewhere. Let me put it this way. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? Prodigal son. Very familiar story. A lot of people, if not all of you, know the story. The son, it talks about inheritance, right? At the beginning, it's about inheritance. The the younger son goes to the father and says, give me the portion of inheritance that's allotted to me. What's the, what's the, how do you get inheritance if somebody dies? But the father is not yet dead. So translation, the son is saying to the father, it's taking too long for you to die. I want what's mine now. You think that's something that you want to hear if you're a parent? Absolutely not. In fact, that's dishonoring your mother and your father. And if the community knows about it, they will drag you and stone you to death. That's why the father was running. Because he didn't want the son to get caught by the community. He will die. But that's later on. So the father gave the inheritance to both sons. And the younger went off, left the father's abode, home, area, and went to a far-off nation, a far-off country. And what did he do? The list that we saw. Sexual immorality and all these things. He was doing that. Because he had money until it ran out. And he found himself at the lowest of lows. And he was um, feeding the pigs. And to a point that he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. You know why? Because he's not Filipino. If he was Filipino, he would think, I will eat the pig. (laughs) But he he was Jewish. You can't eat pigs. And so he was thinking, oh, he was envying the pigs. And then suddenly, the Bible says, he came to his right mind. He came to himself and he realized, in my father's house. What? There will be food there and whatever, everything I need is there. I know what I'm going to do. Said he was going to repent and then apply as a servant. Think about that for a bit. But this whole time, back in his hometown, did he lose the relationship? Did he lose being a son? No, as far as the father is concerned, he was waiting for him because he wants to reinstate him as a son. So you can be in this place as a believer, but it doesn't change the fact that you are still righteous. The thing is, you're not enjoying what the kingdom of God has made available because you're operating in a different system. What does the Bible say? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. In the Amplified, it would say this, Consequently, For those who believe, for those who've given their lives to to the Lord, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. There's a different operating system. In fact, in in the NIV, in the next verse, the old is gone, the new has come. And if you are a believer, you can't keep operating in this old system here because it's a purely human point of view and standard. God has brought you to a higher standard, which is sonship, which is kingdom thinking, and He wants you to operate here so that you can inherit the kingdom of God. You know why you can inherit? Because somebody died. That's Jesus Christ on the cross. 
In fact, I've never seen a lawyer, the lawyer would give out and hand out the portion. But the lawyer doesn't die. But our Jesus, who is also our advocate, he was the one who died, and then he rose from the grave and became the lawyer and says, okay, this is what I died for. This is for you, this is for you, this is for you. That's an awesome thing. But this is what it means now. So don't be afraid when you see things like that, you shall not inherit. It simply means that maybe you're not in your right place. Maybe there's a renewing that needs to happen. Like Pastor Mitch said a while ago, even a butterfly who's no longer a caterpillar can still go back to the dump, to, the, to, to trash and try to eat what's there. No, the truth is the butterfly can simply fly away and get something much better. Because you're not anymore a caterpillar. You're not an uud. You don't, before you had no choice but to crawl on the ground. But now you have a choice. You can be lifted up because you are seated in Christ in the heavenlies. That's what it means. Before we had no choice. I remember Paul saying, You know, I. The good that I want to do, I'm not doing it. But the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. Oh, what a wretched person I am. That was his dilemma. In, In the flesh, if this is all you have, you actually, the Bible would call you slave of sin. And what what. Jesus has done is to set you free. He set you free in in different ways. He set you free from this system of being enslaved to sin, but He also set you free from a system of the Mosaic Law. The only way before that you can have blessing from God and relationship with God is that you keep doing that law. You have to do it perfect. And the Bible says in John chapter... 8, I believe. Go to John chapter 8. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We started talking about what, it, what is the law against. That's point one. Then under that, we talked about what it means not to inherit the kingdom of God. But right now, I want to let you know that God has set you free from that system of religious rituals and sacrifices that is actually futile. It is not perfect. God has set, Jesus has set us free from that. In, in Galatians chapter 5, remember we're talking about Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23. This is this whole series. But the whole context of the fruit of the Spirit begins, you'll see it in chapter 1, in, in verse 1. What does it say? Verse 1, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Somebody say freedom. You have been set free. Whom the Son set free is free indeed. It is for freedom that God, Christ, has set you free. The reason why He wanted you to be free is so that you can be free. Interesting. He set you free so that you can be free. He didn't set you free so that you can be again a slave to the things of this world. No. Now, but let's step back a bit and let's just talk about that word freedom because that's something a lot of people use and a lot of people 
advocate that freedom is this way. In fact, what they would say is that true freedom is the ability to do whatever you want. Whenever you want, however you want it done. That's their description. There are people that are advocating these things. You know, I'm not hurting anybody. I can do whatever I want. Is that freedom? Now, let's just put that in perspective for a little bit. There's this road in Sukat where mom, dad lives. There's this huge crossing. There's a road going this way. There's a couple of roads intersecting in one whole area. And you need enforcers, several enforcers. Because you're, you're managing this whole big road. Now, what if everybody in the, in the road at that time so, realized this awful thought, na, freedom, I can do whatever I want. And they start doing whatever they want. What will happen in that crossing? It will be chaos. Nobody is going to move. There will be no freedom at all. Let's put that in another point, uh, another example. Let's just say that in this whole mall, they get this idea that whatever I want, I can do. Freedom. They can go steal. They can hurt somebody. What will happen in the mall? Will there be freedom? Would you feel free to go outside and feel safe? Absolutely not. Because absolute freedom is actually anarchy or chaos. That's why there is law. And you'd see, you'd see a combination of this word, law and order. Law and order, because there's order to things. That's, what the, that's the purpose of the law, to set things in order. Don't ever allow anybody to convince you that freedom or absolute freedom means you can do whatever you want. That is a lie. Um, let's talk about things that are not written down, for example. Because, you know, law, traffic laws and whatever, it's somewhere there. People can refer to a physical thing and point. I remember a friend of mine, I was still doing theater. He got so tired from an event and he went to Intercon in Makati. <clears throat> was it Intercon? Yeah, I think Intercon. And he just felt like he can lie down in one of the couches there for free. It was what, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning. He was tired. He went there. And he slept in the couch. And of course, one of the guards in Barong said, Sir, you can't sleep here. But he was bold. He said, show me in paper that you have a rule that nobody can sleep here. So the guard left quietly. And he goes, huh, they think I don't know my rights? So tulog siya He slept again. After five minutes, the guard came again. Sir, Ito po, oh. it's, you can't sleep. You know what he said? Aganon, sorry. So he left. It's not like that. There are certain things that's not written down, but somehow you know. Let's take, for example, love. Loving somebody. Because love is morally bound. There are certain maybe unwritten things, but you know some, uh, somebody crossed the line because it doesn't feel right. Now, this is my example in regards to that. If somebody, let's say Emmy, Emmy, this is just an example. Emmy is a single lady in the house. And uh, I'm not advertising you, okay? 
He's the one singing here, but never mind. <clears throat> Let's just say that Emmy found one guy attractive. Very, you know, tall guy, very uh, rich guy. Very nice guy. Pero walang handsome, no? Oh, sige, sige, handsome, you know, of course. Guapo ba? Matangkad. Guapo ba? Mayaman. Handsome. Really, you know, stunner. He would, he would come and all the girl's breath will, will suddenly, you know, and there was this uh, uh, sigh that will be heard as he's passing. But Emmy, since she's a lady, she'll keep it to herself and just, okay, hi. Right? Just, you know. She, but every time he's there, palpitate, nasha, guapo, some mirror powder, whatever you need to do. Because, you know, whatever. But what she doesn't know is this guy also feels the same way towards her. And like there's this, this tension between there, this electricity in the atmosphere when they're together, but they don't know what to do. But somehow this guy got the courage to actually confess. So why, before the service started, while people are mingling outside, the guy stands up and says, Emmy, and the, and the, and the Red Sea parts of people. And it's just between, it's just him and her looking at one another's eyes. You're like, example lang to, ha? Okay? Just want to make it clear. <laughs> and then at the top of his voice, he said, Emmy, you are the cause of my suffering. Because you don't know how much I suffer when I'm not in your presence. Wow. I have toiled many nights, tossed and turned many nights, but I know that joy comes in the morning because of the promise of seeing you again. Wow! You should write this down, somebody. And he goes on to say, the moon, the sun, the heavenly hosts, and the innumerable stars in heaven does not compare to the opulence of your beauty. Wow. Example lang to, ha? Okay. Now, before all these people hearing my voice, I want to profess to you my undying love. And you almost faint, but because you're a lady, you keep it to yourself and you go, thank you. <laughs> you're holding back. And you go home, you're so excited, you can't believe what's happening. You can't even sleep, you're just thinking about what happened and him and the possibility of you being together. And so you're excited to see him the next day. And so you meet again. There he is. You're excited. It's like a beam of light just shining on him. But the picture is kind of, it's not what you expected because he's kneeling in front of somebody else, another girl, and he's saying exactly the same thing that he said to you yesterday. Why were you disappointed? Was there a law or a rule that was written down? No, there was something that was morally, it's just there, but you know something was broken. And therefore, your heart was broken. See, what happens to people when they break the law? When they are lawbreakers? Let's just say, you know, people who break the law and uh, they think they got away whatever, 
let's just say somebody tries to break the law of God, the law that God set, the moral boundaries that God set, what really happens? The truth is, the law is still there. It's not broken at all. But the person who breaks it is the one broken. I'll give an example. Like For example, let's just say a lot of superhero movies are coming out and you get so inspired, you get so motivated by one and somehow you believe that you are a superhero. You came out, I'm a, I have powers. And so you decide to go home and change, wear your tights, the most colorful tights you have. You wear your tight, tightest shirt and just to complete the picture, you put on a cape or a blanket or a towel, whatever. And then you make a mask and you put it on. You look at yourself in the mirror and go, I look the part. And so you decide, you go up to your, to your building and you shout to the whole world, Today, I, a superhero, will break the law of gravity. Your cape is swirling in the wind. And so you decide, whoa! And for a moment you were flying, lower and lower until you hit the ground. What happened? Did you break the law of gravity? No, you broke you. You are broken. And that's what happened to people when they think, I'm, you know, I'm not really hurting anybody, but this is hurting. Something was broken. But God has set you free from these things. That's why Jesus came, the most complete person in the universe, came down and allowed himself to be broken on the cross that he might impart to you his kind of wholeness. Because his wholeness cannot be broken ever again. That's what he has given to you. That's why we say shalom, complete. Nothing missing and nothing broken. Because in and of our own selves, we will always break. But praise God for His completeness. Praise God for His goodness that we are complete. That's why when the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And now, before you were a slave to sin, now you can decide to be a slave of God. What slave? I don't like the word slave. You don't understand. Even Paul. Paul in Romans 1 chapter 1 says, I, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. A bond servant of Jesus Christ. A bond servant is somebody who's been set free by the master, no longer a slave, but he realized that my life would be so much better, not on my own, but if I become a bond servant of my master because I realized he is good. Now this master is our father. For, so a bond servant will actually willingly give himself to the house. In fact, what would happen is the judge will bring him to the house and uh, nail his ear to the door to symbolize you are forever part of this house. Would you rather be a slave to sin or a slave to God? And being a slave to God is the best thing because you're not considered a slave, you're considered a child of God. Right now, are you getting something? Let's wind down here. So we understand now that the external law 
is not really effective in trying to change you from the inside. In fact, Jesus was talking one time, and Jesus, when he was explaining things, he was bringing things, he was bringing the law to its most extreme scenarios. And one time he was teaching the people and said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to go to heaven with one eye missing than to go to hell with complete. He goes on to say, if your right hand causes you to sin, take it out. Now, if you just continue, what if you, you said something? You, talk, you, you take away your tongue? What if you heard something or whatever, cheese miss or whatever? You take out your ears. What would be left of you? You have no arms because one time you slapped a guard or something. And then you went again, but you didn't have arms. You kicked him. So, wala na legs. What would be left? This is how the law works. It will always try to cut off a piece of you. It doesn't work. It's imperfect. In fact, the Bible goes on. Galatians would say, the law was actually just a tutor to teach you as you're growing up. You know, as kids, remember when you were kids in, in your own home, there's a lot of rules. Don't touch that. Don't do this. rules, As you were growing up. But can you imagine if you're 17, 15? weird, It's weird. Because really the law is designed as a tutor for kids. The law is for immature. But grace is given to those who are mature. Suddenly you're trusted with more freedom because the law is not anymore external. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33, and you can see a version of it in Hebrews chapter uh, 10, I believe. Verse 16. But anyway, Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the kind of new covenant I will make with my people of Israel when those days are over. I will put my law within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Suddenly, it changes. Because it's not what's written on stone that guides me. It's what's written in my heart. This is the difference between the law of the Ten Commandments and all in the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, it is written in your hearts. There's a big difference between a child who understands that his or her parents love her. That's why there are certain things. In this house, these are the rules and the guidelines. We're teaching you something. But a rebellious child is limited the obedience is limited inside the house. And when they're outside the house, because there's no enforcer, I can do whatever I want. They think that the, the, the parents are just KJ. Maybe to a certain degree, that's what Adam and Eve was thinking. Because the devil said, no, you know, you're actually going to be wise. But a child who understands the relationship, and the reason why all these things, all these quote-unquote restrictions are there is to really to safeguard you and to protect you. Because the bottom line is love. The motivation and the foundation is love. And when a child realizes that, 
Even if that child is out of the house and somebody comes, why don't you try this? It's really good. You're not limited by not being in the house because the rule is written in your heart and you can go, no, I don't need that. I don't have to do that. That's a child who understands the love of the Father. And this is who we are. Amen? At the end, let me conclude with this scripture here. Romans chapter 13, verse 10 in the NIV. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. In fact, the purpose of the law is to display God's perfect love to people. And when we're operating in the fruit of the Spirit, we are displaying His kind of love in us and His kind of love through us. Because it will lead people to the end of the law. The purpose, the aim of the law. The greatest demonstration of that love, and we're not shy to declare it here, is in the person of Jesus Christ when He died. And God demonstrated His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's why Jesus Christ Himself is the end of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law and Christ is the end of the law. Romans chapter 10 verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Did you get something? This is my prayer to you. And I pray that we have this great appreciation that right now we are free. So the things, the seeming uh, restrictions or rules or whatever, the foundation of that is, is because God loves us. God is not trying to be KJ. God has KJV, King James Version. It's different from being killed joy. Last scripture I want to read to you is the realization that Paul had in Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 to 21. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. So you see these things here operating. The flesh is there, but the flesh is not in control. You are in the flesh, but you're not walking in the flesh. You're not a slave to your flesh. Because the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Next verse. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Let me pray for you. Just bow your heads. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for a greater understanding of what it means to be loved by you. We are not guided, guided anymore by as far as our relationship goes, by what is in the old covenant, rituals and sacrifices and all of that, because our relationship is more personal. And you've written these things in our hearts. And in our hearts live 
the most obedient person that ever lived. He be obedient even unto death, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord God. I pray that these things, the fruit of the Spirit, become evident in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Just continue to close your eyes. Let me just talk to a couple of people here. If you are right here, whether somebody brought you, maybe you just walked in or you've been coming before, but as far as you're concerned, you have never gotten to a point where you consciously gave your life or surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. I'm talking to you. You're hearing this message. Maybe for a long time you believe that just by, by doing your religious actions and following this and that, somehow you will be pleasing to God and somehow because of what you're doing, God will forgive you. It's not because of what you're doing. It's because that you, of you putting your faith in Jesus Christ and believing that it was Him who paid for your sin and wiped it all away. This is you who I'm talking to. So if you want to surrender your life today to Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three. If you hear me say three, don't think about what other people would say. Just lift your hands quietly up in the air and I would know. But most importantly, God would know and He will see. One, two, three. Go ahead and lift your hands if there's anybody here. There you go. Okay, it's okay. Lift your hands if that's you. There you go couple of people at the back here at the front maybe at the life center that's fine so if you lifted your hands this is for you i want you you can bring your hands down now i want you to pray this prayer from your heart pray it to god from your heart and there will be people just to support you in prayer say this with me jesus christ i thank you for your sacrifice that you gave your life for me that you shed your blood for me the same blood that wiped away my sin. Starting today, I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I receive new life today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's celebrate! Thank you for listening. For more information, Follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com.